You're very welcome to episode 17 of Honey, You're Ruining Our Kid, the parenting podcast. The No Judgment Parenting Zero Podcast. Zero Judgment. From the Irishman Abroad Podcast Network. I am Charlotte Regan. My co-host, Tina Regan, is here beside me. Hello. Tina, fresh off the radio with a pet Kenny <laughs> uh, that I, I'm not going to continually do the Pat Kenny impression but Tina you're brilliant on the radio and welcome to everybody who heard you and has now come on board what have we got on the show today well firstly I love being on the Pat Kenny show Pat is so fabulous and thank you to everyone who's been in touch and today we are talking about clingy children children who refuse to get dressed and the biters clingy children the biters and those pesky kids that refuse to get dressed. It's here, today, on Honey, You're Ruining Our Kid. Our two-and-a-half-year-old boy is a nightmare to get dressed. Putting on clothes in the morning and pyjamas at night has become a big ordeal. Daddy can usually plumb awesome into it fairly painlessly, but Mammy, (laughs) more often than not, resorts to forcing him into his clothes which results in a tantrum and is kind of upsetting for both of us. We've tried lots of things, cajoling, incentivizing, distracting, pretending not to care and saying, you come to me when you're ready to get dressed, etc. No avail. Often we end up just leaving him in what he's in at night. Oh my God, so he goes to bed in his actual day clothes. But he's still in nappies, so there's always a bit of dressing and undressing that has to be done. It doesn't seem to be about picking his own clothes because even when he picks his own clothes or his pyjamas, he then changes his mind at the last second and starts shouting, not that one or whatever. Okay. My question then is twofold. Firstly, is it OK to force a child to get dressed when all other methods have failed? And then also any tips on how to deal with the whole issue in general? Many thanks. Tina, I'd imagine that you've seen this before. Oh, yeah. Lots. So much. But it is interesting to hear that they have tried a few different techniques and, you know. What's it tr- about, though? Like, why do kids, why are they weird about this? Well, it's there's just it's so fiddly. many reasons. I mean, I do love that the she used the word plumos in her email there. I love that word. And I also like that she asked, is it OK to force them to get dressed? Of course. As long as you're, you're not forcibly mm. hurting them. But sometimes you just have to, you know, Man get their arms them. into those jumpers and... Yeah. Legs uh, if, into you, those. if you won't dress yourself, I will dress you. Yeah, like they need to, like these are, they have to get dressed. So unfortunately, mm-hmm. sometimes you just have to see it through. But. That is not a, an untraumatic event. No, I mean, I'd imagine tough. trying to get a, a little two and a half year old's head through the whole of the jump. Yeah, and it's I, not fun no, for No, it's anyone. not fun. But in moments when you end up having to parent that way. The only way to get through it without it being too traumatic is to stay calm, stay quiet, don't talk, don't talk to the child when you're doing it, pop those arms in there, you know, hold them between your legs, you know, Mm -hmm. and do it as gently as you can, but don't engage, don't Mm. talk. So there's nothing wrong with doing it. Well, like it's a, not the ideal You can't let your child walk around naked, but of course sometimes you have to do things that they're not going to like. You're, mm. That's just your job. You're, you're the parent. And would you take the same attitude to a kid that refuses to get in the car or out of the car? Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just popped point, them out, popped them in. No yeah. way, I'm not. They're not. If you've told your child to get out of the car, get out of the car. Now, that's it. And if they won't, 
lifts them out of the car. They don't get to be little tyrants and act like that. Mm. You you are in charge. You tell them. Okay, but yeah. the question here is, how do you really get them to do it? it well, you know what? When I got that email the other day, um, and I read through it. Because I was so worried for the mom and how this, trying to reassure her about how it's okay to force um, your child to get dressed sometimes, I missed something. I, when you were reading and I was listening to you, I realized there could actually be a sensory issue here. He might be finding some of these clothes very uncomfortable mm. to wear. Different fabrics might not be agreeing with his skin. And I wonder, does he have a skin issue or is it possible that he has a sensory issue here that, that would some explain fabric. The not that one thing. Well, not wanting to wear clothes. Like she's even offered him choices and that's not working. And like normally that would be my go to, like take two things out and say this or this, you know, and, you know, I've been really kind of giving you this choice, but now it's on you to pick one. I just think that this whole uh, indecisiveness on the part of a child is well, a bigger like, problem. But well, like what it, you're pointing out here is that possible to look underneath it and go, well, is there a problem with actual clothes and skin? Well, when you were reading it, I thought, oh, hang on a second. Is the reluctancy to have to have this stuff on his body because it feels so uncomfortable on his body? And is there some kind of sensory issue here that we can help this lady with? I mean, if that's the issue, she, all she has to do is look up sensory diets on the internet and you you can read through different exercises that you could do with your child, like brushing, like first thing in the morning, brushing okay. their skin, squeezing yeah, them, I getting, we'll with this and the then show. calmer before they get dressed. But what I did advise this mother, if that's not an issue, is I think she needs to set up a reward chart. She needs, now this issue is at morning and nighttime. So I think it's such a big issue. She needs to pick either morning or nighttime to deal with first. Right. Personally, I would go with nighttime because right. you want the nighttime to be calmer and you don't want to have to have this fight okay. before bed. And Reward I definitely charge. don't like the idea that this kid He's gets to, to go bed, to bed in his it? clothes. I yeah, mean, yeah. that's such willful behavior and he is succeeding in it. I, I really feel for that mom and dad. So I would suggest setting up a reward chart for nighttime first. Super achievable reward chart. Get uh, something he really, really wants to work for. Maybe a jelly in the morning after his breakfast. Maybe a, a jelly vitamin. I don't know. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Keep it to one day so that he gets it in the morning. Right Look at away. you. You did yeah. what you were told. You got your tick. Now in the morning you get to have this and go in and remind him. Look, your tick's on the chart. You did it. And then make a fresh one for that day. Mm. Do that maybe two, three, four days. Then incorporate the morning as well onto this chart and bring it back to being a daily reward chart, quick reward, because this kid seems very clever. We've all seen rewards charts go wrong, yeah, where they're, they're too long. Too long, too big, or too, too complex. Many. Too many things on yeah. the reward chart. So give us the kind of Tina so, breakdown of when you say rewards chart, what are we putting on it? Yeah. How long is it? And do I need to get super artsy with it? Yeah, well, if somebody's I mean, no if good you're artistic, that. fabulous. But we're talking A4 piece of paper. We're talking the child's name. Let's say we'll go with Jarlet. Jarlet's getting dressed chart. That's all you have to say. A line down the middle because you're only doing one day. You're, you're going tick, reward. They see it. It's a visual. They That's see you simple. doing it. So simple. Then you'd have Jarlet's getting dressed chart at nighttime and mm. morning time. So now you've got two columns where he needs to achieve a tick. 
for the next day. Then when he's got that and you really hope it's going well, keep the energy so big. You're going yeah. ch- full. Full game show host. Game show, child game Aren't show host. Aren't you fantastic? <laughs> so proud of you. <laughs> you don't You're want other people so see well. you doing this. Yeah. But it, it, that tone works. You're making me so happy. I'm so proud of you. Look, you got your tick again. Let's get that reward, you amazing boy. Then you you spread it out. Two days. Right. You're getting so good at this. Let's do two days now. Be careful how you say that. You don't want it to sound like, what? What? I was getting it the next day. Why? So be really up. You're doing it three days. And I think three days is as long as you want to go with this. And what about on day four when he goes, where's my marshmallow I put on my clothes? Well, I mean, you can just, you can just give, you can just do that. Mm. That's why the reward has out. to be yeah, face it small out. enough face out that the it charge. isn't a new bike. And if he says, well, where's my thing? You can say, yeah, let's do that. Let's go and get you a marshmallow. That yeah. was really good. And just it'll slip away, that mm. thing. But the good thing about this, if this works for this family, if they they haven't toilet trained him yet, when they go to toilet train him, they can bring back this reward chart. He's used to it now. And they can be like going to the toilet. If they're struggling with that and, you know, getting his treat when he does his wee. Super answer. When Tina gets back to you, you can get back to her. Whatever it is that she recommends you do, she will follow up. If it didn't work, we'll try something else. And to this mom and to this dad, best of luck with it. If you're experiencing something similar, let us know. And anytime we've done a reward charge, what do we have to remember? You're in charge of the charge. They don't get to do the tick. Yeah. You do the tick. You do the tick. You give the praise. You give the reward. They don't get to write on it. They don't get to write on it. You never, don't let them have any power when it comes to reward charts and get rid of that thing the minute you don't need it anymore. Fantastic. What was the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to you as a kid to you? What was the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to me as a kid? I have mine. Okay, you go and I'll remember mine. When I was at basketball camp, boys... Loved pulling each other's shorts down to reveal their spotted boxers. Oh, what japery, what, what fun this must be. Until the day Jarlath's shorts got pulled down and both shorts went with them. And what made it worse, Tina, was that I was talking to the two girls that I fancied most at that basketball game. Oh, I wonder oh, where they are now. Do you wake up in the nighttime sometimes thinking about that? Well, I will never forget their faces when it happened because the shorts went and it was like slow motion. I'm struggling to get them and I can see their bewildered faces, like utterly bewildered. At how is this happening? And then them covering their eyes oh my god oh my god and i mean tina you don't you're stuck at basketball camp you're there for the week oh no oh my so god so it's not like you go home in the evening well were they nice to you the girls not after that oh, no. <laughs> why did you run away in horror well m- my penis is offensively large <laughs> oh my god <laughs> jesus um i know what my most embarrassing thing is i remember it now uh, I was in a pub in Linan as a kid and the boy I was completely in love with for most of my childhood um, popped in to the bar and as I went to sit down, my sister pulled the stool from under me. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was mortifying because I think I couldn't get up for ages. Oh I think like it was a real bang. Were you in jeans or a skirt? And I remember the guy, Kevin, laughing. And it was just awful. Cool guy. Oh. 
well, poor Kevin has passed on since, but... Still not very nice. No, it was mortifying. But if that's all I've got, I'm doing okay. And I have a terrible memory, so maybe I just can't remember anything worse than that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the reason why I ask it, because, you know, when your kid gets mortified Mm. at school, when a thing happens Mm. at school, that they're like, I'll never be able to show my face in school again. Remember... One of Mikey's friends saying <laughs> on a Zoom call, Mom, I'll be a laughing stock. <laughs> oh, God, that was so cute during homeschool. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, he kind of hit, hit it on the head. You can become this, you know, pariah for oh the incident. God, or the kid who had to do, who they had to do a show and tell and he did the magic oh trick. Oh, God, the magic trick went wrong oh and my, he burst uh, himself. Oh, my God. He had his. It was like his, a feat of his arms, um, kind of gymnastics. Masking tape or something. He was going to he... jump through his arms, <laughs> oh his God. own arms. He was sellotaping his hands together and then jumping through his arms. And his feet didn't go through. I couldn't And breathe. he just jumped in the air so and landed on his face. And all you <laughs> could <laughs> hear was, move! <laughs> but like, okay, so these are the Jeremy Beagle. Okay, we're terrible. We're laughing at two but, children But the here. point is, like, how kids. do you get what do you say to the kid then about getting back well, from this? Like, I wish I had somebody who would help me at that time. But you did push through, John. I did push through. And that's it. You have to push through. You also have to try and meet it with humor if you get slagged for it. Mm. You have to try and be like, yeah, yeah, I know. Goodness. The worst thing to do is be defensive about it. Because then they'll go, oh, we can niggle at this. Mm. The best advice would be to try and help your child find a way to laugh about it. Or try and track so, down those girls on Facebook and be like, guys, I'm really sorry and that Aston, happened. what did you think? What really I did you think? I just need to know. What did you think? Yeah. Are you still thinking about me the way oh, I'm still thinking gosh. about you? I just cringe. Could be an open door, Jar. Could be an open door. My kid is two since October and is mega clingy to me, especially when it comes to going to sleep. Won't let her dad do it and will scream the house down. Ah, the wonderful sound of a child screaming. (laughs) That's the beauty of parenthood, isn't it? Mm. That high pitched wail when it's just I'm not doing what you're asking me to do. It was up and down, but has gotten way worse since I stopped working two days a week last November. And then she had chicken pox and COVID at the same time. Lots of crack. She just wants me to sit with her all day and grope my boobs, just like her father, no doubt. Because she's breastfeeding. Oh, right. Okay. (laughs) And while I love the snuggles, not so much the groping and the pinching, it's getting a bit much. She is back waking in the night, too. And I'm wrecked. It's the other thing. She's sleep deprived. I'm wrecked. She won't settle back. Help. Love, 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 love the podcast. I'm a bit behind, so sorry if there's been a similar question asked already. There hasn't been, but this is a big area. Well, what we have done is uh, the episode on sleep with Kira Taylor, Taylor right. by Babies. And that is what I would suggest here. Get in touch or follow her, go to her website or mm. go on Instagram because that woman is a miracle worker. And she knows what she's doing. And with the terms of the sleeping and getting the child resettled, Kira is your woman for helping you there. Yeah. Now, and what I do need an expert on that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, you do. And you need. And you can sort it quickly. That was the thing with Kira Taylor on yeah, that episode. She's also an expert with breastfeeding. 
And right. this mother is still breastfeeding. And she's getting to that age where she could stop. And that would also help, help with things the along. reliance. But people don't want to stop anymore, Tina. They want to, feed their, <laughs> they want to breastfeed their kids to college. Well, And I don't judge them for it. Well, I'm not judging them for it either. But I'm not sure how good it is for the actual child to be breastfed till they're two. Who knows? Two. Well, in, I'm, I'm going to say something very risque here. Oh, A lot of children... Turn the camera on. <laughs> I have worked with hundreds of children. Right. Hundreds. And some of the children with the worst behaviours and who are the most demanding of their mothers were still the children who were being breastfed by the time they came into my classroom. Goodness. So we're talking three and four year olds. So it's not a scientific test. It's not a scientific test. It's an observation about behaviour. No. That they're a bit entitled. it It became such of a thing, such a thing that I used to then when I'd have to have an intervention with the parent, I'd have to say, are you still breastfeeding your child? Because I'd be like... It's... Why is he acting like this? Yeah. No, but it was just such a... like. It was so common. I'm I'm saying, if you can breastfeed your child till they're three or four, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well done you as yep. a woman. But I'm not sure if I'm completely... On board. On board. I don't know. I think it... I've seen a lot of children, not all of them, but a lot of children who are breastfed to, breastfed to that age... Very demanding. You were breastfed to that age, weren't you? No, I knew it. I, was, I, I raised my hand because my mother revealed to me this Christmas oh, at her eightieth so at her eightieth birthday party. If you'll allow me to finish uh, that with all the other kids in my family, yeah, she would get up in the middle of the night, go in and feed, and then go back to her own bed. But with me, she just kept me in the bed. And fed me until my heart was content and said, I'm not going to lose sleep with this kid. Oh, yeah, I don't think there's, I think and you do I whatever point, suits you. Yeah, yeah. But I pointed out to her how emaciated and <laughs> weak limbed all of my brothers and sisters you are. say that. Your brother needed a kidney. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. think that's because he wasn't breastfed but for Tina, long enough. I'm six foot two. Yeah. And a brick gig house. <laughs> and they're all like. God, I hope it isn't windy today. I'll blow away. (laughs) (laughs) Look, we're obviously not. I'm strong. We're obviously being quite silly here about the breastfeeding. I'm very much. It's not answering this person's question. I'm very much every single person to their own business when it comes to this very private thing. You uh, are really keen to get your sleep back. Yeah, I think. And if there's a clinginess issue. It might be. Maybe take. Contributing. She is old enough now to not need that dependency Mm. on mommy for that piece of food, nutrition. Now, what I really think is at the core of this, though, is that that child has been really sick. Yeah. And they probably felt very vulnerable when they were sick and they didn't like it. And they were sick for quite a long time. They got chicken box and COVID. So in a weird way, that child got a bit worried about themselves in their own way. I mean, not in a weird way, in their own way. So this is a comfort thing. And mommy was giving her the most comfort because mommy was there with the brew and the milk that made her feel better. OK, so I'm just I'm just thinking this now. So what I suggest is that this mom needs to build this child's confidence and feeling of security within the home. Right. And not just with mommy, with her brother. She said she has sibling mm-hmm. and the daddy. And by saying things like by talking about it, being like, Oh, I feel so safe with daddy. Our house is such a happy house. I love the way you and your brother play so nicely in your lovely, happy room. 
saying things like this. You're Does best- this work? Yes, of course. Yes. Children can really worry and not be able to sleep because they, the minute they're left alone in their room is the only time those tiny little two-year-olds start thinking, oh, I don't know, I like being on my own in my room. Where's my mom again? Mom! Like, you know? You know how I know this works? How? Because you revealed to me that when you were teaching uh, in a Montessori school that you used to say to the kids, Yeah. Isn't Miss Regan the best? (laughs) Oh my God, I can't believe you're telling that. (laughs) That is my my trick. I do that. Do you know why I do that? Because Julie Myers, I don't know if she'd ever listen in. I worked in a classroom with Julie. Amazing teacher. And I... Like, could hear her, the kids going home going, Mommy, Julie is amazing. Julie this. And I was like, because I had heard Julie that day going, um, isn't Julie great the way she always helps you? And she was putting... She's so easily led there. Yeah, Yeah. but she was putting the words into their mouth. But this is all within this question. So I always do that too. leading them to the idea that like... You lead. Always safe with daddy. They follow. Yeah. And they will say it. You will hear your child start to say things Isn't like, I love my bedroom. I feel really safe in here mm-hmm. because you'll have said, this bedroom is lovely. You, f- I feel so safe in here. You must feel safe in here too. All these really lovely, positive, Kids are so reaffirming. <laughs> <laughs> but now I feel terrible because there's going to be moms who I've recently taught children of who'd, whose kids would always go home going, isn't Mrs. Regan the best? And that's because I'd be in class going, Mrs. Regan the best. <laughs> Mrs. Regan is so kind. You know, it is one of your tricks. If Lorraine Reynolds is listening have. in, she will die laughing because she used to be like shocked every time I was doing I was like, Lorraine, come on board. This is the way to do it. <laughs> it's a really good trick. Yeah. And it's not really a trick. In it's that not a trick. You're you just... are trying to articulate what it is you want them to feel in yeah. relation to safety. Absolutely. And- how you want them to yeah. feel. And that would manifest in the child feeling really safe and happy to come into my classroom and be with me because Mrs. Regan is so much yeah. fun. And in relation to this kid, yeah. you're going, you go, you're uh, go with daddy. Yeah. You're always safe with daddy. Yeah. You're always safe. Daddy loves and you so much. And mommy always comes back. Mommy always comes back. That's what I've heard you say yeah. this all the time. Always going, mommy will go out now, but mommy loves you so much and mommy always comes back. And just saying that so many. That phrase is then in the head. Yeah, telling them around. the plan, over, yeah. over, tell, over sharing with the plan, telling them all that's going. Now, I do think because there's an issue with sleep, there needs to be some boundaries to, with sleep reintroduced into this home. Okay. So I'm thinking like things like, Getting your child involved, you're modeling boundaries, right? So you're saying things like, okay, we're going to go to bed now and you get to pick which pajamas you wear. And you have a choice of two, this pajamas or this pajamas, and they pick which one they want. And then you'll say, and at, sto- at story time, we can read one story or two story and let them have the choice. And in a very indirect way, you're resetting rules and boundaries and you're letting them know, popping on our pajamas, we're going to read that one book then lights out, you're going to sleep. Okay, mommy loves you and off you pops. Mm. Um, and you're confident this this will take, this will, because like the clingy thing. Yeah. Clingy I think there isn't so, anyone listening to this who hasn't seen clinginess with kids. Yeah, but that's what I mean about you got to restore their self-confidence. Mm. They're clinging to you because something has happened where they don't feel 100% safe in themselves. Or... Sometimes, would you agree, it's just a case of mom just consistently picks up every time this kid asks. I'm not saying that's this scenario, but yeah. 
but a lot of clinginess is, is is facilitated and it kind of makes mom maybe feel a I'm bit never, special i'm never gonna i'm never gonna say that because i think that the mom who picks up their child every time and who's exhausted but still has the energy to do that is, is a good mom is a good mom but what i do think though clinginess i feel from what i've seen is that this child just needs a bit of um pep in their step they need to feel a bit more positive and confident in themselves and i feel like even saying things around that child during the day like saying to the brother have you noticed that your sister is so good at going to sleep in her room and she's sleeping all night that makes mommy so happy and play the kids off against each other I know it's not what you're saying, but it is saying that this is where you get praise from. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of the clinginess, when we say a child is in a tantrum, we have the de-escalation script for getting them to calm down. You can do the same for clinginess. You can be like, you can calm them down by going, mommy sees that you need her. Mommy loves you so much. Mommy is here for you. I can see that you're feeling unsafe. Give mommy a hug and let's go and do something nice together or let's go do this and then fade away. I'm saying acknowledge her feelings. Mm. She's not feeling completely secure. Yeah, don't there. tell her you're being ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's very hard because clinginess is a weird one because mm. it's a cute thing, but also it's exhausting because you're like, come on, mommy needs a break. I can't carry you the whole time. Yeah. You're absolutely fine. Clinginess is be- the first cousin of making strange. Yes. Yeah, maybe. Right, and uh, like that would be my follow-on question here, Tina, is like the worry for this mother is that she then needs a date night. Yeah. There's a babysitter. Yeah, well, the poor daddy can't even that. help. Make, she... Making strange is such a great way to describe what kids do in that know. scenario. If you're listening to this going, I've never heard this term, make yeah. strange. It's where your kid takes an instant dislike yeah. to somebody. Like, uh, <laughs> they're like, they're like an animal that's fearing for their life and they just will not mm. stop and until that person's gone. Mm-hmm. It's so rubbish because it's like, oh, now we can't have this babysitter anymore. What yeah. do you do in that scenario? It's it's what I mean about building up all this preparation, all mm. this language, talking about it so yeah. much. You, If you don't want your child to make strange, over prepare them for the babysitter coming. Explain to them how it's an exciting thing. We we are going to go here. This person, it's their job to keep you safe when they're here. This is what they do all the time. It's yeah. over preparing your child and letting them know it's safe. This mm-hmm. is a safe thing. Our job is to keep you safe. Children need to hear that because that's the worry. They're worried that something dangerous or something something unexpected is going to happen. I always remember your stories coming back <laughs> from school where you had a kid that was clingy to mom and... Yeah. Was dropped off oh, and was of totally in their element in the classroom. And then mom would try and come back in for one more hug. And you're like, no. Yes. And that's where you, with age, as you're a teacher, you get better t- saying no to the mom. Saying, mm. who's that for? That's for you. Your child's fine right now. You can't go in there. Mm. I mean, COVID was a blessing for loads of teachers because I worked in loads of schools where the parents were never allowed in. I always think that's better. Yeah. And then with COVID, parents couldn't come in anymore. And it, this, this is the boundary. It's just proof. Yeah. When the parents couldn't come into the class, the children didn't cry. They knew the rules. Yeah. 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 If the story and the pajamas and those boundary things don't work, this child is still young enough 
for like a glowworm music box or something like that, a distraction technique at bedtime, something that's really new for her very safe room that you can pop on. And the glowworm, we used it. We bought it for all our nieces and nephews. I still use it when you're not around. <laughs> I loved that thing. <laughs> I couldn't out. You couldn't put it on without falling asleep. Falling asleep. Yourself. It yeah. projected stars onto the ceiling and they spun around. Oh, that was a different one. We had to get rid of that one. No. That one. Because I couldn't put that one on without no. falling asleep. I'd be like, but when I talk, you fall asleep. I do. I'm sorry, Charlotte. You have such a soothing voice. <laughs> so if all else fails, I'll come around. I'll talk to the kid. They'll go to sleep. <laughs> hey, Jarantina, massive fan of the show. I've been listening since the very start and just can't get enough of it. Hope you guys do a live show together at some point. Well, I'd bloody love to do that. No, you'd have it's to drag me onto the stage. Mom and baby stand up stuff. I think that would be yeah. loads of You'd fun. You'd have to drag me onto stage oh, kicking and screaming. It'd be awesome. Jared, I'd keep just vomiting. <laughs> I'd be so nervous. That's not the whole point of this person's thing. <laughs> <now. laughs> Glad to know where you stand on it though, Tina. Uh, who knows? Our situation is that our little three-year-old is biting. When they're in the play situation, they regard it as a bit of crack. When they're very frustrated or fraught, they are biting into my hand. I cannot tell you exactly how sore it is when this happens. I'm genuinely anxious that this is a behaviour that we won't be able to get rid of. I'm lost. There doesn't seem to be any advice on this subject to be found on the internet. It's taken me an awful long time to pluck up the courage to mail you because to be honest, it's embarrassing. I'm scared that people will not want my kid coming over and playing with their kids. What the hell am I to do? Can you help? Biting is my bag. Oh, really? I used to work with a lot of children who were biters, you know, when I worked in um, in that early language intervention school. Most kids will bite once or twice, but obviously this is an issue. And we know that if your child is biting, it's frustration. Oh, but I didn't it's know also that. I thought it was teething. Well, it can be teething. It can be the feeling of frustration and then, you know, that's how they they just feel like they need to bite. Okay. But we also know it's a sensory issue. And I we're understanding. Just thought it was their teeth coming in. Well, a like a teeth dog. coming in. But at three, they have most of their teeth. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> like, so this is a habit now. Well, it's a sensory thing inside their mouth. That I was they so unprepared for this question. I feel so bad for kids who bite because most of the time they don't want to bite either. Mm. But they have this impulse in their mouth to actually chow, like, Grip. Or a grip to something and bite. Oh, so when you were first bitten, do you remember the pain of it? Oh, yeah. Well, I've never been bitten by Mikey. But yeah, no, I've been bitten a good few times because children who are biters are fast at biting. I remember when I used to work one to one in an ABA school, a behavioral school, mm-hmm. you'd be like the children were gorgeous, but you were so aware that they could bite at any time. Yeah. So you're the whole, you're teaching and blocking. The oh whole time. God. Really? <laughs> yeah. And trying to teach them not to bite. So what I would tell you is I know how to teach children not to bite. Oh, really? Because I've done it okay. so many times. So let's deal with this. this so person. what this mommy needs to do is there are very special toothbrushes. I think we spoke about these before. You find them on Amazon mm. and they're sensory toothbrushes. They're the exact same thing as a toothbrush, except they look like those weird balls you use for your physio. Yes. But yeah, they're yeah. small. Right. So they're pointy, like a tiny coronavirus toothbrush. <laughs> okay. And what you do is, in the morning, 
when you they've eaten and everything, you, you sit them down in front of you and you put it in. They can do it themselves in time. And you brush around their gums and you brush around the other side of their face. And then you you do that for maybe five minutes and you hope that it calms them down. Then you give them very crunchy food to eat. They need hard bread. They need apples. They need to crunch down on food. And you can also, because this biting is so out of control, the same little sensory thing that's on the top of a toothbrush, you can buy one as a necklace and you teach their, your child that when you feel, you say, mommy understands that you don't want to bite. Mommy knows you don't like hurting people. Hurry and empathize. Mommy knows that. And when you feel like you need to bite, put this in your mouth and bite on it. And then they have something with them to bite. Also, but when they bite, what do you do? Yeah. How do you stop their hurt? How do you, you know, how do you control it? We know never pull away from a bite. Always push into the bite gently. They're only tiny little kids. And when you push into the bite, their mouth will naturally open and release and you can get out of the bite. And then don't give a big reaction, as hard as that is, because you don't want to make it fun because they might laugh. And you don't want it to be something that they know, this gets me loads of attention. I have no idea how you don't react. It's like that. No, David O'Rourke bit that when you're advised in, in the bush, if an animal grabs you by the leg, you meant to pick up a stick, break the stick, mm. and the animal thinks that it's breaking your leg and it buzzes off. Now, who in the world couldn't resist battering the animal with the stick? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, how do I... you resist making reaction when your child is just gripped down well, on you? Well, you with know their how teeth? you decide because biting is a very dangerous behaviour. And it will get him not invited to play dates and it will become an issue at school. Mm. So you have to have to make the decision. I got to get on top of this. Now, I know myself when I worked in a classroom that was, what's the word? The majority of the children in that classroom were biters. Once you've made that mind, that decision in your mind, OK, I don't react. I know what to do if they bite me. I know how to get out of it. And I just have to help them not need to bite that day. OK. I'm yeah. not expecting this answer, I'll be honest with you. Why? Well, I know your work. I've been there through all of your stuff. But a bit like last week when you started talking about postnatal anxiety, mm. I really urge people to go back to it. Like I was listening to that, Tina. I was not really like fully aware of what you went through. And I like I was, you know, I felt really bad personally afterwards that like this is what you were. This is the experience. Maybe I'd forgotten it. But sometimes I, I think I don't realize what you did in your jobs with these kids, that that's what your day was. And then you'd come home and I'd be like, let's go for pints. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love working with children. So it was never like I was coming home sad after my day at work. I mm. absolutely love it. And when you get the opportunity to help a child like this stop biting, I mean, that's huge. Yeah. So, so, so would you say that to this mom that, there is a light at the end of the tunnel oh, yeah. because it she, can de- she sounds like this. she's going, I, yeah. I, this guy's going to be biting till but, he's 18. She doesn't know to do mm. the sensory exercises yeah. in his mouth. She doesn't know that maybe he needs a harder toothbrush when he's brushing his teeth. I mean, who's going to tell her that? Mm. I know that because I was trained. Mm. She doesn't know to get the hard apples and the hard pieces of bread. And this um, will solve it. Yeah. And the necklace and, and, and empathizing with your child because 
bite either. And it's also really dangerous, especially in the current climate. You can't be going around biting people. And um, so unhygienic. I wouldn't suggest punishing the biting unless it's like you, you saw that he did that to one of his siblings or friends on purpose. Even then, it's quite tricky to punish it because the other child is screaming mm. and your child is already re- in full regret mode. So I feel like when the biting occurs it, like that, that's when you should remove your child maybe and do the sensory exercises because he's only bitten because he needed to in that moment. Yeah, because it's an urge. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. you know, there's the odd child who bites most wild. Because he's a yeah. little bollocks. <laughs> Charlotte. I'm allowed to say that. I'm the foil of this relationship <laughs> here. I, I I, think that that's probably the hardest one for people listening who are like, yeah, my young lad bites the very odd time. And there's no urge in this. Mm. It's just him and his brother are battering the heads off each other. And sometimes he'll stick the teeth in. Yeah, well, if it's only an occasional thing, you can still do the sensory exercises with a really hard toothbrush, like a hard bristle. They won't enjoy that. They won't want to do that. Uh-huh. They won't like if they'll get rid of that um, behavior pretty quickly if they think every time they're seen doing it, they have to sit down with mom and brush their gums yeah. for a while. And my question there is more about the rules of engagement, isn't it? Mm-hmm. On this show a few times, folks, Tina has said you may need a constitution in your house, essentially a meeting oh, where the yeah. family sits down mm-hmm. as to what are the rules here in this house? What's acceptable? What's not acceptable? Biting is not acceptable ever. Yeah, it's got to be It's nearly implied. But mm. if it needs to get stated, maybe there is a family meeting. Like, well, yeah, but like my brothers and sisters didn't batter the heads off each other. I feel like you guys are a bit more physical with each other. Mm. But I do remember uh, there being an incident where my brother had his hair pulled and he felt that crossed a line. Yeah. And everybody thought it was kind of funny because he was so frantic over his hair being I think he had his hair pulled out of his head. But what age was he? He was a teenager. Yeah, see, I mean, this is a three-year-old. I mean, it's so different. It's very different. It, in fairness, yeah, you're right, Tina. It's a little bit different, <laughs> It's isn't so it? different. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so different because this three-year-old is completely just still learning. And uh, he doesn't mm, realize yeah. how bad it is. I mean, you, if a teenager was biting, I mean, that's a big problem. And <laughs> okay, okay. your brother... If it's another teenager pulled his hair out of his head, that's huge. Problem. That's terrible. OK, well, after the <laughs> after the break, I'm going to ask you about the most dangerous thing you did as a kid. <laughs> what is the most dangerous thing you did as a child? She, you know, she's looking pensively into the distance. <laughs> I think the most dangerous thing that we regarded as normal behavior in the Regan house was to sit on the back of our couch, like the back of the actual, it was a three seat couch mm-hmm. and we would rock it, rock it until like we had it like on its heels. Oh my God. Rock it and rock it and rock it. And then, you know, then the idea was to try and rock it back and then flip it back onto all four legs. <laughs> and then, you know, someone would, then it would eventually flip onto the floor. This was entertainment. <laughs> oh and someone would more often than not bang their head off the radiator as it went down. Oh, my God. Oh, my <laughs> and God. That was that'll tell you how low on entertainment options we were in the Regan house. <laughs> you were in the middle of the curve. How dangerous it was. Like mm. how much could have gone wrong? 
And how easily that couch surely, like what the craftsmanship. <laughs> that thing should have fallen apart. Three kids, four did kids. Did your mum not care about the couch? They weren't there. They were off somewhere Gallivant else doing parenting <laughs> stuff. Um, I'm trying to think, well, like, obviously I had a very fun childhood because I grew up beside the lovely Aunt Tobin, who has also passed. Oh, my God, that's two people now who've passed. But um, we, she was a rascal and having her as a friend, my childhood friend just made every day so much fun. So many adventures. She was just such a free spirit. Mm. She was her own woman, you know, and uh, she always had loads of ideas and ways to get around things. And uh, she lived four doors up from me and her parents were always out working. Um, Her mom ran an amazing business, really cool lady. And Anne would come down to my house in the morning and we'd just hang out the whole day. But we knew Anne had more sweets in her house than ever there was in my house. (laughs) And we used to, no joke, climb the gate, get the ladder out, climb up to the window in Sonia's room that'd be open, in through the top window, down into the house, find the box of line bars, eat as many as we could, shove them into our pockets, back out the same way we came in. Which is so stupid because we could have pulled the door behind us (laughs) (laughs) back over the gate. Idiots. Onto the footpath. Just exhilarated by the whole By the break in. Boldness of it all. Ocean's eleven heist on the line bars. But like Anne was so much crack. I mean, another time she uh, the girl who lived in 11 next door to her had really annoyed her. So she weed in a bucket and threw the bucket, <laughs> called the girl out to the back garden and no. threw the bucket over the wall. Oh, she oh was my Lord. She was a, a rascal next door <laughs> is is the principal way in which good kids like you and I got led astray. Yeah, but she was a good kid, too. She I had a rascal uh, next door. Yeah, but like, I mean, though, would you have it any other way? Mm. Like the fact that Anne is gone breaks my heart because she's in every single one of my childhood memories. I just can't believe she's not around anymore. But she was amazing. And Mm. I'm so grateful I have those memories with her. And it's sad that she went way too soon. Yeah. And you also, it reminds you though. Yeah. That with all of this parenting and behavioral stuff. Yeah, you still got to let your children have a tiny bit of freedom. Not as much 80s freedom. Sure. You know, there's no way. A six and a five year old should have been climbing up ladders and breaking into houses. That's just not okay. Difflement is how you learn on some level, though. Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace, Anne. Yeah, rest in peace, Anne. And rest in peace, that guy who laughed at you when you got the chair pulled out. Kevin Joyce, the most beautiful man in Galway. Uh, (laughs) We'll be back Mm. next week with more Honey, You're Ruining Our Kid. And you can also hear us on 98. FM. Oh yeah, we got a Sunday slot got on a ninety-eight Sunday FM. Sunday pod slot on yeah. the radio. Tune in, tune in, by. We'll be on the radio going like trying to be DJs. Trying to be DJs. Tune, tune in. Play a request. <laughs> 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 thanks so much, Tina. Oh, thanks, Jerry. I love you. Thanks to you. I love doing the pod. Thanks for everyone who sent emails into honeyarenaarkid at gmail.com and thank you for everyone who is supporting, sharing, subscribing, listening. In any order you want there. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Honey, You're Ruining Our Kid is an Irishman Abroad podcast presented in association with Go Loud. Editing, research, and production by Jarlath and Tina Regan. Find us on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad today. Don't forget to email Tina your questions on Honey, You Are Ruining Our Kid at gmail.com because, hey, in all fairness, it's hard to raise kids not to be gobshites. <laughs>